In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witness. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. Everybody can see that moment where I just saw. We're going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the End Sons Podcast. And another Meta Dragon episode. Uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, that's okay. We've only recently come up with this term to identify a particular flavor of episode we do from time to time. These are the episodes where Blaine gets to drop some meta bombs on us. And I don't know, we get to, I don't really want to like flesh out what part the dragon plays. I'll let you figure that one out yourselves. But these episodes are really, really good for us and sometimes a little bit of a bigger bite to chew. So here is your mm, spoonful of sugar, now that this is medicine, but to tee you up before we go into this, this is an episode about home. It's an episode about longing. It's an episode naming why, regardless of the home you grew up in, you probably felt some displacement, some lack of connection, some thing that wasn't met and a little bit on the kingdom. The kingdom is this wonderful collection of paradoxes. Chesterton has some wonderful articles and essays on this. I'd recommend reading Orthodoxy for those of you who haven't, but at once the kingdom of God is here and at hand and also coming. Jesus tells us to pray for its coming in the Lord's prayer and yet also declares that it's here. So how are both of these things true? Eventually in the episode, we will get to how while we long for home, there is some of that here accessible now and there's ways that we can address it and access it and identify the longings that we have they really do point in helpful directions if we sit with them and explore them and name them. Uh, but we actually get there in this episode by looking first through the lens of exile, naming displacement, naming the longings, and really trying to understand the empathy we need for ourselves and for others as we watch that play itself out. For those of you listening who uh, really love the quick answers, I'd say be patient, Sit back, take it in, and see what stirs in you. The goal here is to rethink what home means and why it matters so much and how it's more available now than we might think. This weekend, I was the preacher. I did the preaching. You were it there. Enzyme's <laughs> 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 podcast, everybody. <laughs> Blaine was doing the preaching and Sam took Sunday off. <laughs> That's what Sabbath is for, right? Keep going. Anyway, we thought that it might be worth having a, a podcast conversation around the topic that I happen to be talking about, not only because that lets me pull double duty on <laughs> yeah, the reading and research that Oof, I do. Yeah. 
Don't suppose you recorded it on Sunday. We can just switch over to that audio. I now. did record it. Yeah. Mm. And here it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Barry, let's go get lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was talking about a feature of reality without which no one can really make sense of their life. You should have a Twitter. <laughs> Just <laughs> that would be, I think, your standing bio. <laughs> I think the place to begin is uh, with kind of the terrible sense of homelessness that all cultures account for and embody. Like listening to Irish music, for example. Oh, man. We're so sad. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> we're. We feel a lot. That's why we drink so much. All of their songs nail. They're able to just put their finger right on this spot in people. It's the, you know, the Anglo-Saxons had the concept, ubi sunt, where is it? And the sense of displacement, the sense of being the ancestors of a people that were in ruins. All really positive stuff. The feature is what ends up being called in and around the Bible, exile. But before you stop listening, we're going to approach this in a slightly different way and say that understanding, most people get this wrong, including me, and that when you get it right, there is actually some real relief to be had, and uh, it helps you know how to live in the time you're being given to live in. Now that we're alone and it's just you and me talking, everyone stop listening. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's really sad. But I'm kind of hoping that you will be a good foil character right now and say what I'm, I'm going to pass you a note with what I want you to say. There and go. Let me see. Oh, oh, you're just pretending. I, <laughs> I'm, there are no words on my head. <laughs> okay. What do you think of when I say exile? Um, I think of, I don't know, like moments in fantasy stories where a knight has committed a wrong and the king says they have to leave and they can never oh. come back to the kingdom. They're, they've been banished. They're in exile. I want your imagination instead of mine. Yeah, you definitely do. <laughs> it is a wild ride sometimes. I had a dream last night that we were escaping the Earth to get to this spaceship in a warthog like from Halo. Actually, that sounds great. And we, we did some work on some people. <laughs> <laughs> were, they, were they coming in? Are you having a Halo dream? Or is it actually... You know what? I don't want to know. Never mind. It was different. That's what I think of. I think of Exile, right? I think of that or I think of maybe the um, inverse of that where there's been a kingdom that has invaded an old king and the heir has had to flee and he's like a king in exile, right? He's he's going to come back and reclaim you know, Camelot or whatever, but for now he's in hiding. So that's like why it's the inverse for me. They didn't, he got chased away and, and is going to reclaim it, whereas maybe the former is um, banished never to return, living in exile. I love that. I think of a certain kind of pastor in like a beige suit with shoulder pads going, you know, this world, this is not your home. This is a 
problem for you if you go into church too many times. We, well, I didn't you go into church like try this. my Sunday. <laughs> church is not a place, Sam. <sighs> you have not yet found the Zed. Oh, wow. Um, no, Zen is not involved. But I think of an irritating and unproductive, <laughs> you are made for heaven kind of thing. Or, you know. Hang I, on, everybody with NOTW stickers on their cars is about to get a little bit offended. I know. Not of this world. By the way, Adam in high school had like the biggest version ever. Like it covered his entire rear window. I think it might have been illegal because he couldn't see out of his out of the back. <laughs> oh. But he was so cool. That's awesome. If it said not of the world, then I think that would be a cool sticker. But it says not of this world. And I have a little bit of, yes, you are. <laughs> okay. So, and then there's some Bible nerds out there. Or some nerds of, like, some history nerds. I assume they exist, just, you know, who so go, that the rest of us aren't. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, doesn't the exile, isn't that something that kind of happens to, uh, like, the Judah heights at the end of the Old Testament, and they come back, and there's, like, like a pre-exilic period and a post-exilic. At least a few people who are listening are thinking, yeah, that is what I think, Spencer. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so that'd be one person. And, well, I could, I could ask no, no, more. No, no, I could no. ask more of my friends to listen to our podcast. <laughs> oh, I see. You are way more right than the picture that I have, which is why your picture is better. The place that exile begins, that this experience of humanity, it's interesting. It really only has one, uh, it, it, it's one event. And to go, yeah, there are different forms, but all exile results from the loss of Eden. All exile is the experience of this moment in salvation history where uh, humans depart. The reign, the kingdom of God, the place where the will of God inside of which there is joy is done. And it introduces a kind of haunting into human experience that every single person feels. It says, you're never talking. One of the really helpful things about exile is that it gives you a way to understand your own story, to frame your own story. And it gives you a really good way to hear other people's stories. If you want to kind of get to the core of a person's experience, you can do it in four or five questions. And one of the first ones would be simply, where is home? Fill that in. Kind of curious how you would answer that question, actually. Um, how I would answer that question. Mm, I think these days my home is not my actual home in my neighborhood. It's my backyard in the summer. That's home. And so anytime we've left that space, so, you know, like winter, um, winter we're no, it's no longer home. Building projects. Yeah. Go. And what about ultimately? Like, think back to your college years when people, you were, you were living outside the state and people were trying to get a handle on where you were from. Mm -hmm. How would you answer that question? Um... I don't know, some some blend of like, I'm from the mountains of Colorado, the 
coast of Ireland, the beaches of California, and a mythic understanding of the future Earth. Like, you know, and yeah, it's very like much that, like exactly. Yeah. I, one, I think that this question is actually so painful that don't most think like people, people getting a handle on me and I, Most people don't like to answer this question. I think it's really interesting where they change the terms of the conversation. You're getting someone, where are you from? Hey, where's home? It's like, oh, well, you know, I grew up in California, but, and you kind of get this but, and that but is the, I think there's an interesting tension for me when I think of the question, and one of them is not knowing, and to go, wherever it was that you grew up, I'm guessing that you felt a sense of estrangement from the place. You felt a lack of connection to the place that you that would that was supposed to check that box mm-hmm. and that you probably felt a much deeper connection in other places mm-hmm. and when you say right things like the coast of Ireland things like these pictures star wars red wall star wars red wall remember the stories we used to tell each other as kids in the bunk beds oh yeah of like there was some like platoon in some war and there was like a guy playing on the trumpet or something lonely and and we were being missed. And it would like bring us to tears as kids of like, oh, there's somewhere we're supposed to be that we've left and we don't know where or how to get back there. Exactly. It was so interesting. We were on a road trip on the western slope of Colorado this summer and the kids were finally both asleep and him and I were talking. And I was trying to put into words the... My confusion at the profound identification that I felt as we were driving around Gunnison, Montrose, uh, mm-hmm. Taylor Reservoir. Western Slope of Colorado. Yeah, it's, and I go, there is a region, and and it's not just this one place, because there, there's also Irish pubs, and mm-hmm. there's also, there's a theme to the kinds of places where I suddenly feel a sense of homecoming or returning. And they tend to be dirt roads. They tend to be rural country. They tend to be, I think it's different also inside families, how everyone will... Pontoons named the Duchess. You know. Pontoons named the Duchess. Yeah, I still trying to forget how your... I think your redneck fits well into this picture, actually. <laughs> <laughs> go. Gotta have a low bar for joy sometimes. <laughs> you feel at home, uh, I think, in trashy environments in a way that's kind of unique. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> inflatable flamingos and uh, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. p- <laughs> pond water. <laughs> this you, is not trashy. You're the only person I know who's like, who actually decided to bring a tube to like a ranch pod yes. just for the sake of floating around yeah. on and it. And how much happier was I than you? It's, I don't know. Like a lot. Like the <laughs> it's, was a it lot. seemed like a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. It, uh, but I would go, there is usually a story to our experience to the places with which we identify. And I think it's really interesting because you're born into a family that's already in kind of a state of disarray. Uh, And maybe much of it has been picked up. Maybe there's new momentum. But you don't have to look very far back to go, there was a family dream and then something happened to it. And go, this is like for a a normal, quote-unquote, even good, quote-unquote, family system. Yeah, exactly. It only gets more messed up from there. 
There was an Eden. The story began with a home. There are so many incredible features that can be uh, named on it. Eden meeting delight and going, if you want to, if you can't get a good answer to the uh, home question, you can go, where did you experience delight? Or what delights you? Uh, it's, which is a very different experience than enjoyment or pleasure to be like. Lane likes asking people questions that make them angry and feel <laughs> defensive. <laughs> Where have you felt delighted in? Uh, I'm sorry, and why are you crying all this time? <laughs> uh, you can't put this on me. You're the ask people questions and the what? cry person. <laughs> I, just, I, don't, I don't cry. I'm I, asking them the questions. <laughs> well, sometimes you do. I remember you're... You're asking a person, man, I can't get to know. I think it was like the, it was a restaurant where you worked or something, and you just finally asked, what makes you happy? Yes. And the person was like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Bingo. Turned out building elaborate cat trees. Very odd. And if you can get people to tell you this story uh, as they've pieced it together of where home was, and the next beat is just, what did you lose? What happened to it? And to go, the story of what happened to it is usually so devastating, most people don't go there. And I, you know, so in our story, if you were to go back to pop and if you're a Wild at Heart fan, you've heard Dad's story about along the line of, you know, patrilineal descent. His uh, dad's dad was this rancher. And there is a kind of legacy there. But if you were to unpack what happened to that, you were to unpack the loss of that Eden, it's quite intense. It's not like, oh, yeah, there was a job and I didn't get hired. Uh, we used to live in, you know, on the East Coast, but we had to move. It's like there was a dream, and then the wrong. dream was devastated. No. That's real in human history. That's real in the salvation history that's real in our individual lives. And they go, maybe if you can even answer those two questions with with a degree of courage, mm. you will be in some pretty deep waters. Like, man, if you are married or you have like a, you know, some longtime best friends, uh, don't ask these questions on dates. They don't take you to places that are too intimate for dating. Uh, but to be like, <laughs> I love asking him actually and, and continue to figure out, I forget how not at home she feels on the dry eastern slope of Colorado and how she is a stranger living among a foreign people right now until I go, where do you identify? And she begins to layer images like uh, big family, kids everywhere, logging woods of the Pacific Northwest, uh, a family that would build saunas on the banks of rivers and like... You said that word wrong. <laughs> sauna. This is not... You're not a fraternity boy who's going to go sit in his sauna. <laughs> Jeez. It's not like hand tool and then no, sauna. Sauna. Now you can be that guy who says it right <laughs> and everyone doesn't like you. <laughs> We're talking about... If you can talk about where home is and then if you can talk about what happened to it. M layers those images of saunas on the banks of rivers. And I realize, wow, you're, the place that you experienced home uh, is pretty far distant. And then if I ask my wife, what did you lose? What happened to it? 
And she begins to talk about the precise blows that were dealt uh, to that picture of joy. It is quite intense. Mm. Somebody else asked the question recently of like, where have you traveled to that you have felt a connection with that you were surprised by? Um, whether that was the mountains, a particular national park. Some of us have traveled internationally. So it was that a country that you had never been to before. I think that's part of where like the massive pull towards all of these ancestry tests come from. Susie and I actually did that for Christmas for each other, um, which in hindsight, it's pretty underwhelming for me, to be honest. I would have liked, I don't know, a book rather than <laughs> like to spit in the tube and find out my percentages. But I totally identified that like there is a, restlessness and a sense of being untethered of wanting a, a story that goes deep and feels grounding so we want to know where we came from like where where just give me a few pieces to my sense of home and go oh yeah okay so i'm 60 percent irish and 20 percent scottish and there's some germanic in there and then there's some um, scandinavian and now i feel like i know why i feel so not at home most of the time. And they go to those places and you're a hardcore foreigner at best. Exactly. Like, you well, can't get it back. I want, I feel like I'm at home, but I also know that it would be impossible for me to stay and actually feel that sense of, I don't know, uh, completion that I really want. You can stay and you can like, I don't know, give it a try. I know a lot of people that have done that, but it does feel like you end up chasing the wrong thing. Yes, 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 yes. You can go and you feel, oh my gosh, you know, on some of our trips, our first trips to Ireland, there was a, a shocking sense of identification that we thought we were being given mythic pictures of home. Mm -hmm. And it felt so good. We were sort of like, Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration yeah, being forever. like, let's build houses. Wait, nobody move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. You guys stay where you are. I'll build houses. We can be here. We've got it. Totally. And they go, it doesn't work. Like, um, you were born inside a world that was the way God meant it to be. And you can't get that world back yet. As we, as we keep this journey on, the next problem uh, the next sense of alienation is like, it's not just external, but it's internal. It is, uh, yeah. And so the first thing that humanity does in response to that experience is try to make something work, right? And we get over the territory really fast. And even in conversation, if you get a person to talk about where's home, what have they lost, what happened to it? They'll try to build the momentum of, yeah, you know, that's why, you know, what we're just trying to do now with our family or that's why, you know, with the job I'm in right now or, and, and be like, yeah, I, I do it too. I sympathize uh, with the impulse, but to go, it doesn't work. And the divisions are in us. This is where good old Abraham comes in. Abram and his cigarettes. <laughs> Ziggurat. It's called a ziggurat. <laughs> That's what I said. Abram enters the story after a genealogy that follows Noah, which, <laughs> never 
never mind. Yeah. No, I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, let's skip the genealogy. So, anyway, uh, and, you know, the camera fades in again, and, you know, you faded out on Noah and his... What do you call the place you grow grapes? Vineyard. Uh, and his vineyard, and it fades back in, and, oh, my gosh, the narrator goes, you know, Abram was in Ur of the Chaldeans. You're like, stop, 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 stop. He was where? He was in Ur-Kasdim? He was in this city that was built by the Sumerians? One of the first civilizations on the planet? He's down in the Persian Gulf? What is he doing there? This is a terrible place to be. He's, he's living probably right along the edge of a major city. But this major city is between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, which is kind of where Eden is supposed to be. But Eden is gone from the story, and in its place you have this human city, at the center of which you have the ziggurat of Ur, built to Nana, this freaky goddess who's... Uh, where freaky stuff goes on at this temple, and this city has brokered this relationship with this spirit Nana, and that's where Abram is, uh, it's interesting for a million historical reasons, but uh, for our conversation here, it's interesting that he leaves. His dad decides they should go to Canaan. Moving around is not a great idea in the ancient world also. So it's like, why did they leave? Well, probably because there was a war coming and the anti-Israelites, the Amorites were coming down and the old Assyrian Empire in the north where they end up going was kind of starting to get its act together again and there were tremors of doom and Abraham's dad is like, let's, let's get out of here. Your brother just died. I don't want to be here anymore. Let's leave. So they're going to go to Canaan, but instead they go up into the heart of the old Assyrian Empire to Haran where the other temple is to this god. So kind of further evidencing that these guys are moon worshipers. And then God appears to Abram and calls him. And the reason it's interesting is because in Hebrews, whoever wrote it says that faith made Abram live like a stranger in tents in the promised land, like live as a, an immigrant. And you go, he was already a stranger. He was already living in tents. Uh, he was already moving around from place to place without a connection with the homeland. What is it exactly that happened when he received the promise? And one thing that happened is that he stopped ignoring it and trying to make the, the world work, trying to get something going, which is the next, so, you know, the next piece of the exile framework, where's home? Okay, what happened to it? What did you lose? It's like, yeah. And what did you do to survive? What did you, where did you try to identify to get some sense of home back? This is easier for me to see at a distance because in my own life, it takes the place of like, what are the things that I have tried to do to survive the experience of exile? to survive the experience of being uncovered in the world. And I can say a lot more there on what are the solutions that I found? What are the ways of relating with people that have worked? But in terms of identification, it's way easier to see out there in the world. Like secular humanism. Let's take that one on. 
That is a way to find identification outside of the kingdom of God in exile and try to make it work and to go, the narrative which kind of goes like, yeah, humanity is really a mess, but we have to care for people anyway so things can get better. And if you will sign up with us and we and go just a little further, we will fix the problem. We will rebuild Eden here. And it's actually a pretty tempting story. Uh, It's not the only one. I would say uh, kind of the flip side of that would be, what if you have a really, really, really strong nationalist temptation? And you're like, you know, (laughs) we may never get the country back the way it was intended, but, you know, we can keep fighting for it. And we can instill the values in our kids, and many of which might be positive, might be good things. But what but the, what you see going on there? Yeah, I'm just glad you're taking shots at both sides. This this makes me feel very secure. You got to, Well, <laughs> the story's gonna build the burn larger the barn story. So that he goes, the gospel the barn isn't your home. <laughs> <laughs> the gospel is the alternative to everything, hmm. and we are always tempted to find a people besides the people of God. We're always tempted to find a salvation story besides, like, Jesus. <laughs> and there's a thing, I, I don't know, if you're, if you're a person who reads stuff on the internet, maybe you've heard of this thing, virtue signaling, uh, which is what Blaine spent a lot of time of his time doing between his 18th and, I don't know, hopefully not now, (laughs) 23rd to 25th year. But it's like, get Mm -hmm. a bunch of college students together in a room, get them riffing on a topic, and what they start doing is virtue signaling to each other, um, where they make jokes (laughs) about the kinds of positions they're supposed to have. And they do it as a way to find connection and to identify as part of the in-group that is whatever it is that that group formed around. So I, in college, most of my friends were activists of some kind. And so our virtue signaling was all about us, you know, saying the opposite of the party line in a funny way so that you knew that we were really in. And it would be like... No, you don't have to give an example. I feel like I, I want to give an example. <laughs> I just, I feel like you don't need to. <laughs> uh, I'll just give you a horse nest if you want to kick that instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Virtue no, yeah, signaling no, exactly is a way of finding home. Yes. It doesn't have to be education. It doesn't have to be politics. It can be music. And to go, there is good way, by the way, to connect and relate with people around shared interests. That's different than attaching to them as your people. And if you think this is uh, somehow not the case within the church, you're also wrong because there's plenty of folks out there, myself included, at certain seasons. Uh, like you want, you feel more secure with there being an in-group and an out-group. And for there to be an in-group, there has to be an out-group. And it just ends up being this derogatory tone even within the church towards people who are not living a certain way committed to a certain thing, all the way in, oh, are they a real Christian? All that kind of conversation. Um, 
It's just really interesting. Even like the Kanye West album came out, how much conversation was out there about like, okay, he can say these things and sing these things and write these things, but is he legit? And it's just, you're like, oh, good, 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 good. I'm glad that like we're This hyper, is the conversation we should have. Yeah. I'm just glad we're super like focused on, I don't know, what is it? Uh, judging who gets in and who gets out. But we've been doing that for uh, millennia now. So we're pretty good at it. Woof. Where's home? What happened to it? What did you do to survive? Slash, where are you tempted to try to make a home? And maybe it's not a people, you know? Uh, maybe it's like if you can get the house that's in the right place with, you know, my desire to live a rural life and have animals and greenhouses and things is something that I have to be pretty careful with because it can be the, it can be what I do with my experience of homelessness and unbelonging. And mm -hmm. I can go, man, if we could just get out of town onto 10 acres and have greenhouses and just relate with rural people and go, that, okay, wait, hang on. If I'm trying to find home in a rural move, it is not going to work. That is a bad idea. Though I certainly feel the pull to and to be like, and you go, and it's, you know, and I talk to people about my desire to live outside the city. And if they are the kind of person who lives outside the city, we're immediately faced with the impulse to identify with each other as being like, yeah, I just can't believe how some people don't mind city life. And I'm like, okay, great. So now there are some people who are out there. Mm -hmm. And then there is other people who I think is you and me. Mm -hmm. And I can belong right now. Mm. Be careful with what you do with that. Not just because like, it's bad, but there are spiritual ramifications. It won't work. It will make your life worse. There's a degree to which this whole conversation can be boiled down to in this, this aspect of the you have good desires for things, but be careful what you turn those desires into. and They become the answer to you, all of your pain. A vacation on the beach has been something that's been on my mind for a while now. We were doing that a year ago and it was wonderful. And we find ourselves looking at photos and I think the desire to be there, to rest, to slow down, to engage my family, to feel replenished, those are all fine. But when it has shifted to the, and that's where I'm going to be, that's where I'm going to live, that's the answer, that's good enough for me. Because uh, Jesus left a while ago. And this new heaven, this new kingdom has yet to arrive. And so in the meantime, where are we going to find it? Oh, man. You're going the right place. One more feature of exile is the question um, kind of, this one can be hard to frame because it can be, uh, what do you need to be saved from essentially? Or who? Because there is the, one of the, things that the Babylonian exile makes very clear is that being in exile is not just leaving home. It's coming under the influence of a violent and destructive power. And you know, the world was subjected to the power of the evil one, that whole stuff, that whole thing. And mm -hmm. to go, you're not just not in the garden. <laughs> you're not just not with your family. You are living in a territory where the kingdom of darkness has a lot of say. 
and you have the existential fear in your body of living in proximity with an oppressive spiritual power. I think it's overlooked because inside the Bible, Babylonian exile becomes the example that they use to explain the larger situation to people. And one of the core features of that is Nebuchadnezzar himself. And, you know, the guy who, when the puppet king Zedekiah rebels, he comes down and kills all his sons in front of him and then gouges out his eyes to make sure that the last sight he saw on earth was his kids dying. So that is the kind of evil that you are now living in direct proximity with. Now, this is the world into which Jesus comes, but it's the key feature of the experience to identify is you don't just feel like you don't belong. You also feel a lot of fear because the world that you inhabit instead of inhabiting your home is dangerous. And go, yep, it is. Uh, now, how does Jesus apply to this? Why is this relevant for the moment that we're living in? Why is it helpful? Well, human beings go into exile of their own accord by really, really blowing it. Uh, Jesus chooses it, walks in to pull people in so that you do have the already and not yet of this moment is that you do have a homecoming, right? It's like uh, people get it right when they go, you can come home to God and go, yes, you can. When Dallas Willard goes, the kingdom of God is at hand and he writes about what it means when Jesus says that, he just goes like, life in the kingdom with access to all of God's resources is now one of your options. Rethink your plan for living in view of this new opportunity. You can live in the kingdom of God where things are the way God intended them to be. But then you find yourself, mysteriously enough, in an environment and in a world where that's still mostly not the case. Because you've come home You've entered back into relationship with this Jesus who is still both at war with the spiritual powers of this world and going out among strangers in the hopes of drawing many in. I think it's really interesting uh, how complicated the experience of like living life with other friends of Jesus, being a friend of Jesus in this age can be because you know, we have these flashes, these moments where it's like, oh my gosh, I feel such rest and belonging right now. At the same time, I really don't uh, because the full realization where all things are made new, all things are brought back into alignment has not taken place yet. So I am in this weird like, uh, yeah, I can find good identification with the people of God. At the same time, because most of us are still in process, I still feel a lot of alienation from most of them. And those are both going on. Blaine, there's a lot there and there's a lot driving towards this moment. And I appreciate the ways that you're connecting these from the moment that we experience them on a daily basis to the ways that we try and solve them whether we realize that's what we've been doing or not. And then that inescapable reality of 
if we are aligned with Jesus, we now have a real answer to some of that pain and a real lack of an answer and that it isn't fully realized yet. And so my experience in this moment is, ooh, okay, yeah, those are good questions. I don't ask those kinds of questions to most of my friends or even myself often. Ooh, I don't want to look too closely at the ways I've been solving my dilemma because I think my new home could be YouTube and I it's I think it's working some days. And if I lose it, I'm going to just feel more displaced. And then into, no, you're right. There is a really good hope with Jesus. So now what is where I am? So now what, Blaine? Yeah, especially in a moment where many parts of the world feel less familiar than ever, where the experience of unbelonging is acute. I'll go, the first thing is, one, this just helps you be kind to your heart. And they go, if someone you loved were having the experience that we described, there would be a level of gentleness that you would feel towards them. And I think the next one, which is pretty simple, would be if the desire to find rest and belonging is deep and acute, I would be careful what I did with that and I would engage it on purpose. And I'd be like, you need to find places where your heart is at rest. And the interesting thing is many of the examples we gave were negative examples. Like, you know, it's, you can over-identify with these places. But to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, many of these are part of the way that we experience what is both a reality and a foretaste of homecoming with God. So do them regularly. And then it can actually be as simple as going like, okay, now that I know what the experience is, wow, I am feeling really just kind of displaced and exhausted being displaced right now. Uh, Jesus, I need you to meet my heart in this place and provide the relief that I need to live my life today. Oh, that's all so good. Here in closing of the episode, we really do want to come back to, it's helpful to shine light on where we need to rest, to have empathy for others in the places where we can tell that they are longing for rest as well and maybe seeking it out. Where we feel we belong and how we can pursue home in some new ways. If we have access to the kingdom of God in ways that we didn't even know we had before, we can actually begin to live in it in the here and the now. So I really encourage you maybe to rewind the last five minutes, maybe the last 10 and sit with that again as Blaine was really trying to, to land us in some areas of how are you willing to explore these things? How are you going to chase them and be curious in the ways that you may feel that rest in certain areas and, and where does the Father want to meet you in those places? Thanks for listening to the Ansons Meta Dragon. Mm-hmm.